Shut up and sit down. People who don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom, you're nasty. The Lord is watching. Say what? You came back for another dialed podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von During? You're the best. We all can use a good Chinese proverb from time to time. So here you go. A man who cannot tolerate small misfortunes can never accomplish great things. Stay strong, my friends. I want to go to the zoo and tickle a gorilla and then punch it in the face. You got to cuss yourself out every once in a while. What can I say? You know? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Vondering. I'm sitting here with Evan Price. How's it going, folks, while we're starting with me? Okay, so we have only two drinks at the table today and Matt on the camera. So we have the Monster Juice Energy Plus Juice. It has vitamins and taurine, and it's a mango loco flavor. And then Lance, what do you have? I've got the uh, Monster Zero Sugar Purple flavor, courtesy of the, Mr. Evan Price. And what, is it, and what does it taste like? It, purple. It tastes like purple. <laughs> it's ultraviolet. I don't, Ultra, whatever I don't, whatever, whatever neon lights taste like is yeah. what that tastes like. It feels sparkly. Put that under a black light. I wonder what color it would be. I wonder it's, what color your intestines sure would be as well. Yeah, exactly. We know it's radioactive. I don't know. <laughs> I got some black coffee. Um, oh, look. Jake uh, did grab a drink. Matt, Matt's got something. Oh, Sp- Spindrift is a great set. That's a highly underrated seltzer. It's tasty. Like, it's delicious. It's very good. A lot of calories. That's probably why I like it. <laughs> There's zero no. calories. No, it was like Spindrift. 60 or something like that. No, <laughs> That's three. actually a lot for a seltzer. Three calories in three. Three? Three? Oh, that's a good Spindrift right there. Maybe I'm thinking of something it's else. It's a low-cal Spindrift. Awesome. Devin's right. Mr. Lance Hepler. Lance Romance. Kind of here, sweaty and goopy. <laughs> now, you just had your 28th wedding anniversary? I had my 28th. How old are you again? <laughs> Dude, I've lived like three lifetimes before I you so met me. I so wanted to comment that on Brandy's <laughs> thing, and I was like, no, 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 no. This is Brandy. Brandy did a very nice job of putting together a very nice post. Says, Do not ruin it with a bad joke. <laughs> I think that Lance shares an anniversary with Scott McBeth, and, yeah. and yes. they just celebrated their 20? 28th as yes. well. Yeah. So That's what We I were married the same day, me and Scott. Scott Macbeth, married the same day. The coolest dialed random fact. June fourth, nineteen ninety four. Yeah. The same day. Did you two know each other at that no. time? Uh uh-uh. That makes it even cool. That's wow. I didn't meet Scott. June fourth, like, that's close to fifteen years ago. Me and Cassidy, June eighteenth. We'll all be June yeah. stuff. Between yeah. his uh, lamb chops and Lance's yeah. handlebar mustache over here. That's we got a some lot serious of facial and hair. And then going I've on. got a mustache growing here too. So we got it just June <laughs> weddings are strong facial hair wedding time periods. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> And over FaceTime today, FaceTime, brought to you by Apple, new sponsor, <laughs> Matt the Grand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys look blurred out a bit on your FaceTime. Looking good. <laughs> Come on, it's Apple. All, it's all that matters. 
We've got a pretty good sponsor lineup right now. We got Apple, Monster, Kirkland. We have big sponsors. This is, yeah, we're really bringing in, we're, we're raking in the dough in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, let's do a quick backpedal. Um, very quick backpedal. I could talk about a race later because we got or Matt for we, a short you time. Know what? Let's do a backpedal later. Let's yeah, do a let's, We're going to do that later. Matt's, Matt's short on time today. Matt's a busy dude. He's in high demand. That is yes. important. When Much you're good at computer stuff, when, <laughs> when you can turn on computers good and type into them real smart, you're, you're in high demand these days. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to do something that we normally do once a month today. So hot, you got to listen naked. The hot seat's back, you guys. The monthly hot seat. I'd prefer to be naked at this moment. Matt probably isn't wearing pants. Isn't that like a thing that you do with like video calls now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're totally optional, and I choose not to wear <laughs> And I choose to not. Uh, that's All awesome. Right. All right, so we'll uh, we'll wrap up today with the, uh, the backpedal and stuff, and mm-hmm. maybe that Champ Bailey guy will come in at some Which point. Which technically, if you think about it, by the name backpedal, it would make sense if we actually did it or yeah man. maybe that's a new thing evan maybe that is well i'm just saying like yeah because a backpedal is usually like you do it at the end and be yeah. like oh we're backpedaling now uh, hey why don't we do that well that, you that know might what be a thing. there we go that way people don't have to listen to us blabber on for 30 that's minutes true. about stuff before we yeah. get to the topic sometimes yeah. it's even 45 minutes anyway, no, our listeners would probably appreciate that so the hot seat <laughs> question for those that have never heard the hot seat before we each bring a question to the table and we ask the other guys at the table to answer said question but the thing is is nobody knows what they're going to ask so you're kind of on the hot seat to give your uh, your opinion or your two cents and Evan's going to start us off today. Go for I'm going it. Off. Uh, Lance and Jake already have a pre, uh, a little feed into this, but Matt does not. So this last weekend, this is inspired by triathlon, but this question will go to track and cycling as well. So this last weekend, there was the sub seven, sub eight attempt in triathlon, which basically was a race, I guess you could call it in Germany, that was a group of two male and two female professional triathletes who tried to go under seven hours for the men in a full Ironman and under eight hours for the women. All four completed it. Um, There was a lot that goes into it with there was a lot of drafting on the bike obviously was allowed. Um, But it was a pretty, it's pretty amazing to watch how fast the sport's gotten. Um, My question I care about these things, but I don't think most people do. Does the average person or even fan of endurance sports care at all about time trial efforts? So that includes your indoor track cycling, you know, the hour record and track, um, the, even as Matt knows, like kind of mile attempts, you know, like, like when, when you get like a full pace line in a race where the goal of the race is, Hey, we're running a fast 5k time or running a fast mile. Does your average fan care, and should they? I starting because I'm I don't like this question in the way. That- <laughs> your question sucks, Evan. Let me be honest. <laughs> the, question, the premise of the question pissed me off because here's the thing: you're associating the sub seven attempt and the sub eight attempt with things that are actually relevant and actually important. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. That's actually a fair, that's a very fair point. <laughs> like, well, the, you know, the hour record on the track, I mean, people, people love that. People care about it. Like, I think all of us think it's a, a prestigious event. Yes. Uh, all the world records from track and field in the distance events are pretty much kind of like set up with that stuff in mind. 
And those runners are running those distance. They're not, you know, basically like in the back of, it's not like cycling pace line, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah. that's not, you're not really doing anything except for running a marathon. This sub eight, sub seven thing was just a marketing game. And it, I, you know, I just don't know if it meant anything at all. So I will say the, that my answer is not like, yes, those things that are set up matter or no, they don't. It depends on the event. Like if they did some sort of hour record with like a pace line of people, I don't think that would matter as much as like the hour record on the track with like you have, you All know, by yourself. Yeah. Yep. by yourself. You don't have a pace line for it. So uh, I, I think that the sub seven, sub eight project came and went. I didn't even turn it on. I did look at the results because I was curious. And the results made it even less important because the results were like both both guys, you know, yeah, they sat in the time. They, I mean, there was almost like one crash that was kind of interesting, but like, yeah, the both guys, both girls that attempted both made it because they, you know, they have this massive pace line. It's, I think it really comes down to that bike pace line, right? Yeah, I mean, they flew on the bike. Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay. that's that makes that's a night day difference. So here's my question: What is the What's the record for a bike split in an Ironman non-drafting? I think like Andrew Starkwitz still holds it, and I think it's four hours flat. Like somewhere around four hours. Yeah, like right around four hours. And And this is, and and like you said, even off microphone, you nailed it, is who cares because there's so many factors that play into an Ironman. This isn't isn't a track where it's like, hey, let's literally make sure we're all at the same air pressure here. (laughs) It's kind of amazing that, okay, the bike split... One Christian Blumenfeld went three twenty or something like that. Yeah, and the Joe Skipper went like and Joe Skipper went three sixteen. Three hours and sixteen minutes for hundred and twelve miles. What was that average? Well he had Alex Dowsett in his pace line. Basically they they had pace lines on professional pace professional lines. professional pace lines so they freaking ripped it yeah they went so fast i was just more impressed i was like wow man a team time trial of elite olympic athletes can go really really fast like they averaged 54 55k an so hour which is, is like that? 33 miles 33 an hour miles an hour for three now, and a half hours. now matt i i i think matt is 100 percent on with this i don't care because i think it was a marketing ploy but the one crazy thing that I found from that is Joe Skipper's power profile is he still had to hold 285 normalized power for the entire for, yeah. for the entire thing just to hold how fast they were going. Okay, so Starkey's record like in Ironman competition is 354 in Texas. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, he broke four. My bad. I'm reading that wrong, but, but still, like, what are they? They lopped off an hour, basically, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. That's amazing. Well, then they backed it up with a 230 well, marathon nobody's, and a 235 Nobody's marathon. denying – well, nobody should be denying. Christian, <laughs> Christian Blumenfeld is far and away the best triathlete that's ever lived right now. He is insanely strong, and if he continues to get better and better, I <laughs> – who is going to beat this guy? I mean, I know, I know Matt always gets on me because I'm always, I just love playing the devil's advocate of like, Jan's done, Jan's done. But the day that Jan finally uninjures himself and decides to race this guy, Christian's still going to win. Christian is dumb fast Maybe right now. It's for him to be like, and I retire. Yeah, no, if I, if I was Jan at this point, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go out when I was like still considered the goat and I don't want to be tarnished by getting smoked by this kid right now. What about Alistair Brownlee? You think he should probably not throw the line against uh, Blumenfeld uh, anytime? 
Alistair should be done just for his own mental and physical health. That poor guy has been, I mean, Alistair Brownlee, in my opinion, will still go down as the best one day racer of all time. But I mean, he just needs to, he needs to hang it up. It's been a rough couple of years for him. The times that this thing were unfathomable. It's mind blowing. Also, Skipper, Skipper averaged um, just under 34 miles an hour. (laughs) 34 oh miles an hour for three hours and 16 also, minutes. <laughs> this is this is the one thing from this. I, I completely agree with Matt, but I think that everybody understands how fast Joe Skipper and Christian Blumenfeld are on the bike. I hope everybody gets an appreciation that is to hang in that pace line. Don't don't any cat threes out here like anybody pretend that you could stay in that. That pace line was still moving. Oh, like yeah. that's I mean, think about it. You are the last guy in an eight person pace line holding 300 watts. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how fast these guys, that means the front of that line's probably putting out 450, 460. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, just crazy speeds. But to answer your question, no, No, I don't don't care. care. I don't care either. I don't care. I mean, yeah, this was, this was. Do you want to know why? Interesting. Matt, tell me if I'm right here. Tell me if I'm right. And then we'll ask for Jake's opinion, because I just realized we did not ask for Jake's opinion yet. I think the reason we like time trials is because it's a man versus yourself or woman versus themselves. Correct. Battle. Yes. And yes, you're and you fighting can, a time. You can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. You, you can see it in their face. There, there's this intensity. There's this one-on-one. You know, there's nothing cooler than watching a high schooler in a pace line go for a four sub four minute. You know, that right. that's like you, you can see it's this all out effort. The indoor, right. I mean, even though they're all masked up with their big helmet and everything, you can tell the effort that's going into that. That's why I care about the hour record. This thing, I don't even know what this thing was. <laughs> this was... This was a great publicity stunt. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Phoenix did good marketing hey, for uh, seven hours. And they did it. I mean, yeah, mission accomplished. You guys are talking about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Went 644. That's I mean, for fast. an Ironman. So fast. Yeah. That's stupid yeah. fast. And yeah. anybody who thinks that, oh, well, they were drafting on the swim, it's like, yeah, but that barely helps you a little bit. Like, you still got to swim fast, but. It's the bike. I mean, they just, you knocked off 45 yeah. minutes exactly. on the bike. And then you got to be able to back it up with a 230 marathon. Monster marathon. Do you know how, do you know how hard it is to. Dude. That, that's, <laughs> What's your fastest um, I am? My fastest Ironman uh-huh. was 10.20. What was your marathon there? Do you remember? My marathon was 3.58. So he and was... my fastest like open marathon was 3.15. I mean, it's yeah. cool to see what the human body is potential, yeah. what yeah. its potential is and what it can, what it can do. That, Same that's, thing with Kipchoge's record. I mean, it was kind of like, like that sub two hour type feel to it. I'd rather watch people duke it out on Strava for a segment, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> well, it's only, well, it's well, only two minutes instead well, of six and well, a half hours. Well, it depends, but yeah. That's, that's not fair because I'd rather watch that than most other things anyway. So that's <laughs> we were just talking about it yesterday. I went out and did the, the ride out in Washougal and we we're talking about the Triple Crown with one of the, the, the newer teammates that wasn't familiar with it. It was his first ride out yeah. in Washougal and we we're just talking about the Triple Crown and like comparing war stories. Oh, yeah, and guy notes. bands going forward. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and like I get more enjoyment out of that or like watching yeah. the guys duke it out for Mount Lemon down there. That was cool. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes, this, that was very cool. Yeah. This, this, uh, yeah. And no comment. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, to me, it was, I think there, there, there's a meme account I follow that put it perfectly. They were, they were like, triathlon thinks it's relatable to watch really ridiculously fit people do really ridiculously fit things is yeah. basically it. They're like, no, nobody cares. Like yeah. this is How much <laughs> did Mother Nature play into this? Uh, basically, there was like no weather effect at all. And they, like and they were like on a they track. were on a racetrack. They were on actual they, F1 track. They did oh. loops on a racetrack, so it was mm-hmm. closed course, smooth. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, they yeah. they took yeah. everything they yeah. could to make it as fast as possible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, Nobody cares. Yeah. 
It's cool. <laughs> right. I mean, like I watch that and I'm like, wow, they yeah. are, they are fit. I do appreciate the hour record. I, I think yeah. that that's a fantastic I think thing. It's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yep. Anything else on that? We already talked too much about it. Matt Mr. thought it was a dumb question. Mr. Matt Legrand, did, yeah. you, did you happen to come up with a question yet, or do you have something else to say? Your, your question wasn't a dumb question. It was just muddled with, like, you were like, now, do you not like the Olympics? And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that a marketing stunt is as important as the mile in the Olympics? It's <laughs> funny. Now, there's, there's some things that we all don't like, like the Olympics and the Sub-8 project. I'm like, don't tie those together. They need to be... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, so go. My hot, hot seat question for you guys, if you're ready for this. Go. That's hot. What? That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. Timely. <laughs> uh, what price is too expensive for a bike computer? What price is too expensive for a bike computer? That is a really good question. Oh, we can go me first, because if we're going to go higher prices, I'll start at our low bar. I'll set our, I'll set our prices right like under target here. I think anything over now I'm thinking into the future here. So I'm thinking like as, as prices continue to increase and increase, I would never pay over 800 is as much as I will ever pay for a bicycle computer. Yeah. That's as much as I will ever pay. What kind of cool things is this $800 bike computer going to do for you? I know, but I'm saying because I'm looking we, into the future here. I'm I'm thinking my absolute cap as to what I would spend. We pay a thousand thousand dollars for a phone for a cell phone, but we use this for uh, every day. But I'm I'm, I'm anticipating yeah. that our bike computers are going to be pretty darn similar. Could you imagine if somebody told you one day you'd pay a thousand dollars for a phone no. like ten years ago? No. Yeah. So I'm thinking into the future. I will never in my life pay more than eight hundred dollars. Do you guys get those reports of? How many hours you spent on your phone each week? I don't. Apple, and I don't yeah, want to know. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah just <laughs> that thousand dollar price tag starts to make a lot of sense when you look at that. Like, oh my god, and then it starts breaking it down by app by app, and you're like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to answer Matt's question, what is a price tag that is too much? Yeah, I personally wouldn't pay over five hundred dollars for anything. I, I just oh, right don't now, think yeah. it. I don't think it provides that much more detail. Like maybe if my bicycle stuff changed a little bit and I was doing like long tours and I needed, mm. I was back bike packing and I needed it to be, you know, solar or something along yeah. those lines, or I don't know anything like that that would cause the price tag to go up. I might consider paying a little bit more, but there's, there's means to an end there when you can mm-hmm. you know, think about like putting a battery pack on something and, and charging it up, whatever, in a reasonable amount of time. I just don't yeah. think that paying more than 500 bucks is reasonable. I, I really like the computers right now that are 300 bucks. I think those are those are the ones that I mm-hmm. lean towards. Those are the ones that I gravitate to. And I know that there are certain things like a large screen that people have a hard time seeing and you're going to pay a little bit more of a premium for that. Or if you want touch screen on there, you're going to pay a little bit more for that. And that starts to put you into that four to $500 range for some computers, six mm-hmm. for some. I don't know. That, that's just my two cents. I, I, no, I to each their own. But for me, that, that sweet spot is no more than 500 bucks right now. $300 is, is perfect. Be less. <laughs> uh, I I am um, I'm probably not a good one to ask because you get a lot of not, use out of your computer. I do get a lot of use on yeah. my computer, and you're gonna pay more. Yeah, and I have disposable income. Yeah. So what what it costs doesn't matter to me a whole lot. It depends on the size and functionality of it. But what would be boy, your absolute cap then, dude? I I when you said eight hundred bucks, that seemed ridiculous. 
I don't. Really? I wouldn't want to pay eight hundred bucks for a computer. Oh, I don't, don't, don't want to pay five hundred bucks for a. I am trying computer. to see into the future because I'm going to replay this conversation to us in ten years when all of a sudden bike computers are like oh, <laughs> going to be inflation keeps going. It's going to keep changing. I'm going to have to eat those words one day when I probably pay eleven hundred dollars for a bike computer and be like, "That you, was a good deal." <laughs> you wouldn't pay four hundred dollars for a for a rear-facing <laughs> camera and radar device. Uh, we talked about point, this last week. At what t- point in time do Garmin or Wahoo enter the cell phone market? And all of a sudden, have a cell phone enabled bike computer. That I can, feel like that. W- 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 would that be hard? I have no idea. I don't know. No clue. I mean, they've got a lot of the other innards in there that are already doing a lot of. But I would imagine that's a pretty doggy dog industry. I think it's it's, I would think it's too dominated by Apple right. and and, yeah. and um, Samsung and Google. I mean, they're yeah. just they're those they're too big. big. They're too long. I mean, those are some of the biggest companies in the world. How does Garmin compete with that? On the cell phone market, I don't, I don't. But, but even much less Wahoo, right? Like, there's just no way they have the scale to do something like that. Yeah. But I, I actually think Evan's answer was very smart, forward thinking, because the way he phrased it was like, looking into the future. Yeah, eight hundred dollars is is you know a, a price that sounds crazy now, but like in the future you could see it being possible, especially if you think about our cell phones being a thousand dollars. Well, and then also, Matt, and you might have more of an inside track of this, is how many of these different things we've been talking about are probably in the future just going to get integrated into just a bike computer? Like the Varia function, the power meters, even. I mean, like, I mean, like, they're just going to eventually just all integrate into one seamless bike computer that maybe even, you know, just like does a lot of these functions that we pay separately for at some point. It's hard to know what technologies they'll develop going forward so it may be easy for us to spend more money when there's some alluring technology yeah. so <laughs> I agree. hold on a second i gotta fix that but keep talking yeah somebody's so, calling jake and we're we don't oh, want yeah, to sorry. lose matt so there you go okay <laughs> that's I, matt I calling us you guys have already answered the most important question of all time. So. There you go. <laughs> Which is, Matt just nobody needed, cares Matt, about sub seven. Matt just needed comment, content for his YouTube video. He's like, all right, guys, what would be the most you'd pay for this? Okay, good. That's all I needed. <laughs> What's the most you would pay, Matt? Um, well, so I think the sweet spot right now is like 400 bucks for, I'm saying the exact opposite thing of Evan, right? Where it's like, right now, I think that high-end computers, where whether you look at like, Wahoo's top-of-the-line computer is $380. The Hammerhead Crew is $400. Uh, Even, like, you know, Garmin's, it's not their top-of-the-line, but their their 800-series computer is $400. Brighton has their top-of-the-line computer. That's $400. Like, to me, everything points towards $400. And so when you start looking at, like, six, seven, eight dollars $800, it seems outrageous. Uh, but that's like my like quick take on the subject matter, you know, at, at current times. Looking forward, like Evan was looking kind of looking forward into the future. Hard to say. So you said that's the sweet spot. Is that what is that the most you'd pay? Personally, I'm, you know, if I was like real, it's hard because I have a lot of bike computers. But if I was just buying one, I would be like, what do I really need? Not like what I like want. What do I need? And. I'm probably more fall in line with Evan where it's like 200, 300 bucks. I'm good. It does yeah. what I need. Yep. Gotcha. I think it's cool to have all those features, but I also, I look at everything personally from a, how does this affect my training aspect? And my training needs very little outside input. Like I, I more rely yeah. on 
like how I'm feeling. So I know that more data for me is not always more effective. And that's not for everybody. Like I coach people who like, even at very high levels know, like I I'm driven by data. I like data. Mm -hmm. They, they would want more and more, you know, a bigger screen, more options, more integration for me. It's just, I mean, like if we even all went back to cat, I'd be like, cool. <laughs> that's uh, great. I could well, deal with that. Much, all of those the three go ahead. Are right now. I will say that I would spend, I would spend, you know, $300 or $400. I think I, because there's there's just a distinction there. There's like get everything you need for three hundred bucks, or four hundred bucks gets you like some really cool stuff that would be, you know, of interest to me, like the Hammerhead crew. Gotcha. Oh, Matt, I've got a hilarious two second story for you. I have a ultra running patient who has a Casio as her primary running watch. <laughs> <laughs> not making this up. Literally, I asked her, I was like, hey, what watch you use when you're out on the trail? She's like, to be honest, I only really care about the time that I'm out there, so I just use my Casio. And she shows me this Casio. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I I need you to watch a certain YouTube video. And I didn't have I, the calculator. I yeah, so I uh, no 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 it did not. But she was joking. She's like, you know, that would be nice to have a calculator out there. I'm like, you should get this watch. I got I know a guy who reviewed it. <laughs> so, yes. Funny. <laughs> when those when you got the battery working in those, it's like, no, this the battery doesn't go for like a week or two. It's like this thing goes for months. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't do or give you your heart rate, but you don't need that stuff. No. Just go run. Casio was the original ultra runner's watch. I don't know why we ever went away from that. <laughs> gotcha. I think like those Timex watches were fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so currently right now, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, the Garmin 1030 Plus at $600 is the most expensive bike computer on the market, correct? Currently, as of this recording, yes. As of this recording. Is there anything in that particular device that you think we might be missing out on that we should be thinking about paying an extra, you know, two, 300 bucks for to, to have other than the fact that it's got a little bit bigger screen for the folks out there that are having a hard time seeing the small numbers. <laughs> what else is on that computer? That's going to be all that much better. It's not necessarily going to provide more metrics or detailed information. Correct. The mapping I mean, might be a little better. Yeah, no, you're yeah. I mean, so you're, when your maps are bigger, you, may get some different resolution but really no there's not a lot there that's $200 better than you know like a hammerhead crew in my opinion uh in fact the hammerhead crew has some cool features that 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 $600 computer doesn't have so I don't it's hard to say and the market is currently you know in flux and changing you know as we speak and so it's just one of those things where I just you know I'm, I'm very curious about where that top end is and, and what would basically like make us a little sick price wise to see, you know, whenever we, whenever we see like uh, a Rolex rolling around, like, gosh, you spent this much money on a watch that you're just going to wear on your wrist. Like Ugh, that's, that's, you know, that's just not, you know, fine. It's good for you. That's cool. Not me. That's, you know, we're all different. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's a good question. I like that. I like that question. Curious to see if that uh, price tag, that price mount, that $600 gets tested. Hmm. It will be. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lance, would you like to go or would you like me to go first? Uh, you go first. I will my, go next. My question sucks. All right, guys. We all like to ride bikes here, right? Yes. What are, we'll say, your three favorite exercises to do off the bike that help you with your cycling? So <laughs> easy. I've got, I've got two of the three. I don't already. understand the question. I don't understand. What, what are you talking about? 
Is there stuff we're supposed to be doing off the bike? I, I, I don't I get don't it. I don't do no stinking so, workouts. I just ride my so bike. I'll, I'll answer this first while Lance has to delve into his memory as to what he used to do before he rode his bikes all day. So, uh, swimming and running. <laughs> so, so for me, oh, me my, my, my three one, I actually like to keep. There's a guy I follow who's a great strength training PT. His name's Dr. Andy Chen, and he is great at. He's starting a movement of trying to simplify strength training for people. Mm -hmm. We had a long time period where strength, Jake probably knows, there was, a, there was a period in the 90s and the 2000s where we loved to overcomplicate things that needed to not be overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. But my personal favorite is very simple. Slow eccentric squats, box jumps, and single leg bounding. The end. That's If, if I was to give people three things, you're like, hey, I want to be a faster runner, or hey, I really want to work on like my spiciness on the bike. I want to improve my sprint. Cool. Get better at loading under tension and get better at your spring. Those three things. And then That's you good. just basically take them at whatever person their level at. You can do different adaptations. You can bring them down. Okay. You can bring it up. All so that. being that this is a cycling, mostly cycling podcast, not, yeah. not running, would you say that those translate well to cycling? As oh, well? absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like, and then like, uh, probably for cycling, I would do like a lateral step up with like super heavy weight. I because we're very that. linear in what we like to do. So yeah. Good. Actually, what I would say is go ice skate. Go ice there. No, there you go. no lie. It would those be hips, yeah. it, it, would, it would be do anything in a lateral plane because as a cyclist, whenever anybody's like, I want to get better in the this plane, I was like, What do you get paid in this plane? No, so you need to do something side to side. So can I cruise around on my eighties roller skates? Actually, yeah, ride, yeah ride roller skating work? would be perfect. Uh, cross country skiing <laughs> would be awesome. Ice skating, soccer, sweet basketball. Actually, basketball would be perfect. Yeah. How about you, Matt? You still there? You got some exercises for us? Um, yeah, I'm just gonna, whatever Evan tells me to do is definitely like the right. <laughs> well, I'm just kind of thinking it's, it's Matt, did you ever play pickup sports outside of running when you were like, like what were your sports outside of running? Uh, I played soccer for a while. Yeah. I loved basketball, but that was, I was not very good. And it was like such a cool thing when I was younger, like really kind of like getting close to Ethan's age where it was like, we just played basketball. Whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. Pickup basketball is like the thing back. And I love that. Gotcha. Um, but now I don't do anything. Um, so sadly, you got open <laughs> water. Swimming, you've got pool swimming. You've got running. Open water swimming. Got, <laughs> those that's three good ones for you there. That Stand up paddle actually really fun. We should uh we should do a a dialed podcast pickup two on two basketball game, and then uh, our and then our patrons can bet money on who would who would win. I would break into Whatever. so many parts. Oh yeah, we'd be all terrible. We'd be so it'd be the most pathetic game of basketball right you'd ever see. <laughs> Hepler. Uh, what was the question? I quit listening when uh, when Evan started talking. <laughs> what are the three best monster energy wanna, drinks to drink better, when you're off the bike? I want to get better at biking. Okay, we should do some certain. No, I don't want to do that though. <laughs> Every time I try to do something off the bike, I I implode myself. You yeah. massively overdo it. I think it was the rest of that sentence. Even, <laughs> even when I like ease into it, I I end up. I've on never my seen back. You it. <laughs> There's been a few times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this smart. I'm going to do it right. Um, and then I, it doesn't work for me. So you did yard work. Yeah. It's off the bike. That's yeah. strength. Actually, the things that I do not that aren't biking related is hiking yeah. and walking through gravel beds looking for rocks. So rock hunting and hiking, those are the two things that I do. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh, you got was, denied. I was going to try and give him some credit on this. But no, I don't do anything. But also, but the rocks I don't like take this house. very seriously either. So there's, there's a big 
part of that. Planks? Yep. TRX rows for the back? And rowing. You love the Ogama right now, yet. which I think is awesome. Yeah. And um, multi, like just different angles of lunges. Those yeah. are the things that yeah. I think. Anything just add that linear. If I were to just have the three, and if I did those, I think I'm going to be yeah. doing pretty decently well. So. And like we talked about in here too, yard work. I've, I genuinely, I mean, I have athletes who will tell me they're like, oh, I need to do some strength training, but I know they do a ton of yard work on the weekends. And I will tell them like, bang there, that's it. Send them over to my that's house. It. I'll take it through yeah. full <laughs> contact. One of us from Ohio, competitive. Ohio, you'd have to jump yes. on a plane, but that's <laughs> Paver stacking. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I got so many different but competitions. We, but we joke about that in, in ultra running. It's not uncommon. I'm sure if any, I know Matt kind of knows too, is there's there's an old joke, at least in the Midwest, that like some of the best ultra runners were no lie guys that were from farms. Like they lived yeah. on farms. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they are, I mean, time on feet all day, manual yeah. labor. Yeah. Yeah. Running for 20 hours is not a big deal to them. That's why my yeah. uh, beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers are so good at yeah. football back oh, in the Oh, my God. Back Just in the day, boys. they're a little yeah. soft now. Well, not soft, but you know. Yeah. But those guys back in the day, though, oh throwing hay bales and wrestling cows. Three hundred twenty yeah. pound boy who's yeah. been that big since he was like twelve. Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, do some strength training, folks. All of these things that you heard here are good for you off the bike, and it's not something that takes a lot. Um, the things that I threw out there, I said you have to do some TRX rows. There's different ways to do rowing to yeah. engage the back, and yeah. the things that Evan threw out though, those are all free pull ups. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of stuff that you should be doing off the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to. Get back into doing that a little bit more. I do too. I'm only doing like one day a yeah. week of actual strength work, honestly, and that's it. You know, in, yeah. in recent months, how we've been talking about like loss of motivation, no desire, this, that, and the other. It's nice to mix this stuff. It's something else to focus on. I had something go off inside of me. I'm I'm ready. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Was it the sunshine or was it just? It might have been the sunshine. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I was just thinking that today when I got so I was like, wow, I want to do this. And I was like, was yeah. it because it's been nonstop raining since? A couple, Maybe. Yeah, a couple things <laughs> triggered it. And I think I'm ready to, to give it a good go again. So, but uh, anyway. Um, Can we convince you to come out to a road race in 2023? Maybe even 2022. 2022? I'm thinking about be awesome. Kings Valley. So we'll see. Date on Kings Valley. It's in August, if I'm not mistaken. I'll probably be able to come out then. We'll see. Yeah. It's the state championship road race. Oh, it is this year? Kings Valley is? Yeah. Okay, cool. So. Lance. Yeah. yeah. Go, Lance. <laughs> What's your question, bud? Okay, my question is kind of timely. Um, arrow bars in gravel. Yeah, yes I was or hoping no. you were going to bring this up. <laughs> no. No, I'm going to be the triathlete who You're says no on this. There's no. a reason. They used to be allowed in the Tour de France, too. The UCI used to allow arrow bars. It was like in the 80s, I think. Sure. In the 80s, they were clip on arrow bars that they allowed. You want to know why they took them away? Because there were a million crashes. Because yeah. you had idiots in the peloton that sitting there. that makes things fun to watch. Bars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> makes it way more interesting when your GC guy's laying on the ground with like, why'd you crash? He's like, oh, well, you know, I lost the front wheel and the guy in front of me. For some context, um, at Unbound Gravel, aero bars are allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, there was kind of a gentleman's agreement amongst the top pros that they weren't going to use aero bars which i only just found out through those recent articles they were talking yeah. about which to me was hilarious that these yeah. guys were like hey man we're not going to use aero bars although although um some of the leading pros still use the mini short aero bars like stetna use short do you want to know who else did the the uh, current gravel peloton's least popular player colin strickland oh, colin strickland wasn't there I know he wasn't, but he was a guy who was using, he was using them yes. for sure. But I wonder yes. now how not popular that was. For yes. <laughs> and, and actually the winner will get to that. What he yep. actually was on aero bars as well. He's a Dutch guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivar sleek. 
So Lawrence um, Tendam threw, threw down some stern words yes, about Arabars. He yeah. was I don't need no effing yes, Arabars. Yes, exactly <laughs> what he yeah. said. In, he says, in that exact tone too. <laughs> yeah. This Arabar BS is yeah. what he said. Yeah. We don't need to be doing it. Still some of the guys used shorter ones. I, I don't know. Um I, I, these are world tour pros that have some bike handling skills. So seeing them on aero bars, I'm I'm kind of cool with that. I'm I'm okay with that. But they make an agreement that they weren't going to do it. Some races don't have them. Chad Sperry's events, they are not allowed. So the Gorge Gravel Grinder, yeah. the Cascade Gravel Grinder, Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder, they are not allowed. Aero bars aren't allowed. So some race promoters just tend to say no. That's not part of the deal. But Unbound, they allow them. Why would they allow them? What's the what's their rationale behind the it? The rationale yeah, behind it, it is uh, Unbound is a 200-mile race. It only had about 9,000 feet of climbing, so it's generally flat. I know that doesn't sound flat, but that's flat for 200, 200 miles. miles. Absolutely. It's kind of rolling. There's only a few. It tends to be very windy out there, although this wasn't a windy year. So um, the aero bars can cut down on the time you're out there kind of significantly. So that's the point in having them. And Want to get people off the course sooner? <laughs> yes, that's part of it. I mean... I, I think too, though, and this is, yes, these guys are at the front of this field, very, very skilled riders. But be, being somebody who spends a lot of time in the aero position, I know there is a skill set with the bike handling that comes with in that position. And even if you're a guy who rides 15, 16 hours a week and you're a cat one guy and you're maybe in that second chase pack at, at Unbound and you're still strong, yeah, I get that your bike handling's good, but I've known and ridden with enough cat one, cat two guys to know that it does take time to get comfortable in that position. And 150 miles into the race, a fast guy thinking, hey, I can get into this position, yeah, I think can be a little bit dangerous. It can be. Well, clip-on air bars are also different than a time trial they, bike. They are. And, 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 I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I've ridden both, and I do like yeah. the clip-ons better. Yeah. But it still is. And I mean, you, you know, it's, too, it's, a, it's a different handling it mechanism. It is definitely yeah. different handling. Yeah. And I just think if you get a lot of guys that are throwing those on and maybe they're like they're like yeah you know i heard that it's <laughs> making me faster yeah. in the winds yeah without realizing they're like no you need to train that position it's a completely different motor pattern you need to train that position and they don't then yeah i, I could see how for a race now, organizer i'd be like i don't want you guys throwing these on i don't trust do you they ever throw out any stats as to how many crashes i mean there's going to be crashes well, every the year the tour de france took them away because of the crashes but yeah. unbound i mean unbounced but I have, no have they yeah. released no. any data no. so that we can kind of quantify whether or not no it idea. is a true problem i mean i saw a little race recap. It was like a little six minute segment. And there was a crash on flow sports YouTube channel. That was in the first 25 miles. And it was and like minor. It was just probably wheel touching. If I'm not mistaken, didn't yeah. have anything or, to do with arrow bars. Or you just hit it. It had anything to do with arrow bars. That had to do with like yeah. hitting rocks. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it can happen anyway. Yeah. It, it was a group of a hundred cyclists yeah. all together. So you don't see the line in front of you. So yep. you're going to hit something yep. eventually yep. Or, or rub somebody's wheel. You're on gravel. So that's the primary reason I'm not so, too excited about gravel. Racing. Yeah. That, the yeah. point is, is like, that's exactly where I was going with that is like it, it wasn't from the aero bars. So yeah, are there a bunch of crashes? Is this a phenomenon that that, that we just don't know about? That there's tons and tons. There of could be. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I would. I mean, like I completely agree with you. And Lance is like, it, this is not the top guys that, that that it's an issue with. I'm sure. I mean, any okay. any, any world and tour guys. So gonna be able to handle another that question position. is, why did they make this gentleman's agreement not to use aero bars? Is there somebody that thinks they're dumb and then they started this whole thing? Everybody just went it's along like a with it. Purist thing. I think it's. I think it's got to be a purist. Thing. I think there were probably a few of the more vocal pros. Yeah. Like like laid it down and said, hey, idiots, 
Yeah. Let's nobody's using arrow bars. Don't yeah. use them. I know that they're legal, but let's let's all do this the same. Let's all do this together. Let's not use arrow bars. Why can't they just say let's do this the same and let's all use arrow bars? They could have. The bigger, the bigger just, I'm question, just curious what their rationale is. Is it are they thinking it's dangerous? Is the, it's a problem or the just, bigger question, question here too to me is this is gravels. So gravel had a big increase in popularity here yeah. recently. Now I think we're seeing a symptom of that where, you know, I mean, it's like when Peter Sagan comes to this race now, all of a sudden you're, you're getting a lot of now media attention around these races. Yeah. And I think it's exposing a real weakness of gravel right now is that there's no cohesiveness Yeah. or there's cohesiveness, but it is in the very early stages of cohesiveness. Sure. So, I mean, you, you think about as much as we complain about the UCI at the very least, the UCI, when they come down with an edict, it's, hey, all UCI road races this year do not get in the super tuck. Yeah. Everybody complain, complains about it, but what's the rule? Don't no get the super, super tuck. tuck. Yeah. Gravel does this, and now all of a sudden you got to go to the race and probably look at the, and trust me, I've sat in these pro meetings before triathlons where it's like, <laughs> the questions some of the pros ask are hilarious because you get the race organizer with like the deer in the headlights where he's like, oh crap, I don't know that rule. I mean, I'm sure that now at every single pro briefing before the races, these type of questions are going to be just fired at the race directors. And if there's not cohesiveness within gravel, that's just a race to race thing. What if a guy shows up with arrow bar clip? I was like, well, I've been planning my entire race around knowing that, yeah. you know, I'm going to be using this. Yeah. But these pros, the, the, you got to know the rules going in and each, you do, each, but they each, don't usually, you know, each race is different and has different rules. Just like, like outside support at un, unbound, you could not have any uh, outside support from anybody other than incorporated with race. Un, except for the fact there were two spots where you could have a pit crew help you out. Yeah. And so you you could choose not to have a pit crew and use the neutral stuff, but you could have a pit crew at two yeah. spots. Otherwise there was two spots. There are people and their oasis or water oasis. Is there was, there was yeah. water stops yeah. where, yeah, you could stop. I think, if you I think you'd to. be surprised too, by how many, yes, they should know the rules. I think you'd be shocked by how many pros come in yeah, very that's, underprepared. That's true that's, yeah. Crazy. Like, like we, like, like everybody at this table and including Matt would go to these races, very prepared, knowing the rules. If you're 24 and you've been a pro cyclist your entire life, there's a good chance that you come in. You're like, wait a minute. I'm not allowed to like, it. well, if I'm traveling all the way to Kansas, I'm going to do a, yeah. a 10 hour race or a 14 yeah. hour race. In my case, I'm, I'm, I need to know if I need to oh, have yeah. Brandy at mile 160 yep. and at mile 80 yeah. to, to help yeah. me out. Or if I'm just going to go at it but, by myself. But gravel is, is at its very infancy as a pro cycling sport. Yeah. So understand a lot of these guys who, let's say they're in their mid twenties or even late twenties, these guys have been around team settings on the road for a while to where none of those decisions had to be made by them. It was sit in the team bus and boom, the guy's up there with, hey, we're doing this, this, and this. They're in their ear all race, telling them exactly what's going on. Now, all of a sudden, they travel to this race in Kansas. They might not even speak the language. And they get here. They have here, to pump up their tires. And they're, and they're like, <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, wait, where's the bottle hand ups? Don't get me started. Where's the bottle hand up? What are you talking I'm, about? Where's my badon? How much <laughs> air do I put in my yeah, tires? Exactly, I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Where's the flat yeah. kit? <laughs> I mean, we're assuming that this 24 year old Dutch guy, I'm not saying the guy went the race, but I'm just saying, let's just say a 24 year old Dutch guy comes over and has light English at best, yeah. comes to Kansas and is like, <laughs> comes with what? His like cousin as his like yeah. bike mechanic. He's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> So That's a good I question. Think, I think gravel is in its infancy of getting organized, and it's going to be fun to watch. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. But no to the arrow bars. No to the arrow bars. Also, from the purest point of view, it's like I kind of agree with Lawrence Lawrence Sandam on this. It's like I'm just curious. Cut race it. your just bike. Don't like do it. Just, it. Just bike. Just yeah, no arrow bars for anybody. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, have you guys ever ridden on the aero bars that they use on these gravel bikes? No. It's a completely different position than the TT bike that you're used to because it's... Oh, it's very crunched up. It's crunched yeah. up, but your saddle's always... It's it's mm-hmm. farther back anyway, but yeah. I don't know. I, the yeah. short handlebar, I actually loved... Uh, I raced a season where I put those on my road bike for t- for triathlons, and I thought that they were awesome. I yeah. loved it because I loved that like real crunched up position. Now, great, I could only hold it for like... 20, you know, yeah. 20 miles at most, but yeah, I don't think I'll be putting anything on my t- gravel bike anytime no. soon. It's not a super comfortable <laughs> position. Yeah. See, Lance is going to show up to our Tuesday gravel floggings. Full on aero bars. Yeah. On your mountain bike. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Frost has a mountain bike that he has aero bars aero on. Bars on? Yes. Good for you, Randy. Yeah. Good for you. Randy. It's a, it's a, it's a hard tail, you know, that he, yeah. Awesome. It works. Mm-hmm. I think that's all of our questions. All right. Good. It's weird that we're too early in this to have this already be done. Matt Legrand, are you still there? Yes. Hey, buddy. I'm still here. Cool. I'm, I'm heading out though, so I All got right. to the um, the meat of the podcast, and I got to hear Lance's. I actually thought Lance's question was good, way better than mine. Ah. <laughs> so, Matt, if you had to rank the questions, go. <laughs> <laughs> was I last? <laughs> Evan, yours is the yours is the worst of the worst. Like laying down what's hot maybe maybe the worst hot seat question we've ever had matt was like offended by that question i love that <laughs> hey matt before you go you want to do one last thing um yes video coming out on wednesday the hint the hint for the video is that um my hot seat question uh was in reference to the video that will be dropping so uh should be wednesday and evan i will also take a last minute to say congratulations on your race Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. Guten job. I appreciate it. Uh, Matt, will you be able to be there Saturday, maybe, for our 5K, Uh, 10K? You can bring your bike if you want. What are you doing Saturday? Uh, It's our little 5K, 10K for our wedding. Pre-wedding 10K. Wedding day. It's a 5K, 10K. I thought it was just a 5K. No, no. Apparently, uh, Cassie put a 10K I, option, so I have to run 10K now. I wasn't uh, planning that. Matt, okay, you can do the 1K um, with me while I walk. Well, let's <laughs> bike. Let's, let's bike it. Let's bike it. Yeah. That's even better. You two get to be the lead bike, <laughs> okay. because I think Mondo wants to race me, or somebody wants to race me, so you two get to be the lead bike. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> right on. Yeah, um, I think we had a swim meet get canceled, so we're in for the wedding day 5K. Nice. I'll, check, I'll, talk, to my, I'll talk to the boss here and figure it out. We got to race Ethan soon. I mean, it's already over. He's beating us, but maybe we race yeah. Sam now. Maybe Sam's our next target. <laughs> Sam, Sam's our next target. For okay, sure. good. Yeah, Ethan's <laughs> Ethan's gone. He's 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 smoking us now. Sweet. All right, Matt. Have All a good rest of your day, bud. Thanks, Matt. Matt. Bye. All right. What do you guys want to do next? What are we doing now? It's just do let's go in reverse order. So uh, I don't know. What do you think? You want to do? Um, just going through my notes, dear. Jake's in charge. He gets to choose. Which one? Champ oh, let's see. Valley. Oh, nice. Yeah, we have that champ. Yeah. That's what we're going to do next. Nice. Have him. Champ fun. Bailey is here. <laughs> well, I'm bound. We already talked about that a little bit. Nothing right? happened. Champ out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, quickly, the Dauphiné criteria. Oh, What's yeah. The Criterium the, du Dauphiné yeah, started. It started this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first stage was a sprint stage. And who won the sprint stage? If you say Mark Cavendish. I haven't seen the results here. Is it Mark Cavendish? Well, Van Art. Oh, nice. Okay, good. I'm glad that Wild won. It looked good. like there weren't many sprinters usually when wild wins a sprint stage it means that it was kind of a skinny sprint stage and he like and it was like thick there were like 50 people vying for it and he just like powered through it so yeah well still can you imagine this guy is like this guy is so good for so many months so many months he he took he didn't do the giro 
So he took this yes, last like month off to of just, training to get just ready to for the kind tour. of prep for the tour. Yeah, yeah. Which makes I mean, if if the torture focus, there's no reason for you to be going to the Giro. So correct. Good for him. My God. So that was kind of exciting. Um, and then we had this uh, big gravel race, the mm. uh, Unbound Gravel Race, and um, it was not won by. Well, people kind of knew who this guy was, but he's part of the Dutch gravel mafia mafia that came over. So was he was he a UCI guy before? I mean, was he a roadie before, or what is he? Well, he's a Dutch guy. Um, him and like two Dutch buddies, they've yeah. been in the states for the last like a month, and they've been doing some of the local gravel races, and they came over to do unbound specifically yeah he was not on a world tour team he was on a continental team gotcha. that mostly did um sand racing like beach racing what? so apparently this is a thing there's like beach races in 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 holland this is why we can never just keep up with europeans they're always doing something harder than <laughs> us like they we're, do like beach races we're over here like gravel so hard these guys are like we're gonna race on sand <laughs> i can barely keep upright on sand so ivar slick he's he's known as the slick meister he <laughs> is um, seriously that's what that's what lawrence tendam called him oh my god this because um, he knows meister. all these guys so um yeah he he ended up winning i actually like woke up and like Started watching the race on Flow Sports. The footage of the race was atrocious. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I hate to say it. When you when you get used to watching World Tour races and the coverage you get oh, in it's World Tour races, so bad otherwise. And yeah. then and then they're trying to do something similar like in the states for this, and we just would be like me and you trying to go out. And yes. <laughs> It is. So I mean, they had like a. Did they, they had try like, to do a drone thing for a little no, bit? No, they had like they had like a. Well, they did have a drone in certain spots. Yeah. But they had like a jeep with like a satellite link up on it, like a big satellite an- antenna. But it just still wasn't. It wasn't good enough. I mean, they, they didn't have like a follow plane. There's just not enough money in it yet. No. I guess that no. They can't do good coverage. So no. and then I don't expect that gravel's ever going to be something I like flip on, and I'm like, man, can't wait to watch this gravel yeah, race. I, you know, I I, I I love the idea of it, but I don't like the idea of watching it. Dude, if you think about all of the gravel races here in the Pacific Northwest and how beautiful they are, oh, yeah. If you could flip on and watch those, and I don't know, it was maybe not a 200 mile like yeah, 11 hour yeah, slog. Sure. If it's like it was like a 50 60 mile type <laughs> race, I would that could I would be kind of fun it. to watch just to see all the yeah. If it was like droning, I mean, if they did a good drone footage, backstories and stuff like that, yeah. different yeah. yeah. Anyway. The craziest part about the coverage was it, it whittled down to a five-man group. So okay. there were there were five guys that came into the last one and a half K together. So they knew it was going to be a sprint. Mm-hmm. So five guys, and, and this is um, Ivar Slick, Keegan Swenson, Ian Boswell, Lawrence Tendam, Alexi Vermeulen. So yes, these were the, so the five like the typical customers. Yeah, yeah these were big yeah. hitters. These are your big guys. Um, but. Um, the the finishing shoot was like three blocks long, and they it literally was like two bikes wide. <laughs> it was what? very Come narrow. On, unbound. What's the thought process there? I I, mean, I think they you don't expect to sprint with five guys. I think that's the thought process. Well, gravel gravel's going to need to adjust because these are world tour guys. They're and not going to let each other go. They're they've got live coverage. They've got a camera on a boom over the. Over the top of the the finish line, mm-hmm. and the boom camera missed it. What? <laughs> he like he like didn't sweep fast enough. Like you couldn't, <laughs> you didn't even see. You see him start to sprint, and then all of a sudden the boom camera just like. Whoo. 
boom, and it just like it misses like the finish. Do you know how expensive so it is to rent a boom? Freaking yeah, really uh, expensive. Ladies and gentlemen, did anybody have an iPhone? Booms that are, yeah. Maybe it was out at that time. Capturing the finish that we could use for our YouTube <laughs> channel. Do, do, do we tell you guys about Iron Man at Oceanside? No. So okay, uh, funny five second sidebar. Uh, at Oceanside, there was a sprint finish between Lionel Sanders and Rudy Von Berg. Yeah. yeah. So there was a big argument after that. Iron Man does not have finish line technology for the same idea where they're like, oh, there's no way there's ever going to be sprint right. finishes. When are they well, going to be a sprint? Catch yeah. up to how fast these guys are getting now. Yes, there's always going to be sprint finishes now. Photo finish. You can see Talbot Cox takes a video. Uh, the Iron Man announcer guy uh-huh. is hitting somebody and is pointing down to the finish line. No lie. Guy goes down with his phone. This is for a $4,000 purse. <laughs> Sits there right at the finish line yeah. and takes repeat photos of it. And that was their finish line technology to decide $4,000. Well, I mean, for nothing, the iPhone actually has a really oh, nice great, slow yeah. motion feature on it. But the point that Rudy Von Berg made was they didn't have a decided finish line. That's is it before the arch or after the arch? After the arch? Yeah. yeah. They had that issue at another race. So I'm sure Unbound is probably going the same issue. Like, well, crap, just we didn't hope this doesn't they just didn't come down to it. it. I mean, yeah. there was no doubt what the order was when they finished, but because the camera missed it, the live coverage was like, it took them like 15 minutes, no joke, to like make it official. Oh, this guy, they didn't know if Keegan Swenson won. Oh, God. I mean. So describe that that bit coming into the, what you said was 300 meters? Of it, like it was the, three blocks. Three blocks, okay. And that was two bike it lengths It was two wide. bike lengths wide. Were they mixing it up in there? Yeah. Yes. So so one guy, I couldn't even tell. They were all so coated in mud. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't tell, tell who, it's who, like who was who. Bay. You have no idea. You couldn't tell who was who. But like just before they got into the finish shoot, it was much wider. One guy attacked on a sidewalk and then bunny hopped into the road. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I bet that was Keegan. I bet my guess is that was Keegan. <laughs> well, Keegan really was the, he was the by far favorite but he just couldn't get away. It was just way too fast. Yeah. And then the the, fly, the five of them, they dropped one guy. They dropped Alexi. So the four of them just started like, they all started out of the saddle sprinting for like two blocks. And they, then you just couldn't tell who it was. And then you couldn't see who was who and where they were. Were they able to was, cleanly move around each other? Or no. was it like getting held up because yeah, of like was, whoever, it a, like, was it a barrier or was it tape? It was the barriers. And so, so, so it really gives you appreciation so for Dutch how good guy, the coverage is of the Tour de France. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so the Dutch guy Ivar, um, he just he got around everybody and sprinted. Just he's a big, strong guy. Sure. And he just yeah. he out. He, I mean, he they the the it's top three guys training. they all had the same time. Yeah. They just yeah. You know, he out sprinted him. It wasn't like a full bike length. It wasn't like it was a photo finish. It, yeah, was, it was he was bang bang bang. Yeah. But it wasn't yeah. It just, it just like missed it with the camera. It's like, come on. I would have loved to be in the media tent. Let's be honest, it wasn't a room. The media tent after that. And you're like, did you get it? No. Do you think Lifetime Sports renews with flow? Probably not. <laughs> Do you think somebody else steps up in their place? I don't know. Who outside else TV. Outside, know. outside GCN? Outside TV is making a lot of moves in the endurance world right now. So I mean, GCN would be better. Red Bull would be even better. They have oh, by Red Bull far would be awesome. the best money. like production team <laughs> and for, money. to... But but I just but they're not they're not part of the thing. Monster. But, oh, I'm playing with this. I'm playing with the mic and, <laughs> I know. and Jake is well, like I've been, you know, this off. entire time, Lance, I've been trying not to chew into this microphone. I'm staring <laughs> I'm staring <laughs> at my checks mix right now, like, man, I want some checks mix. And you're over here tapping the <laughs> <laughs> <a> microphone. <laughs> so Red Bull's not one of the sponsors in the lifetime grand prix. They're they're not they're not gonna get picked. I and mean, even though they have the best production company, so I don't not know. Not right really, now, they're not. No. But, but who knows? Yeah. So 
regardless, the race was pretty phenomenal. It was an hour faster than last year. I thought you said it was an hour slower. No, it was an hour faster than last year. So interestingly enough, um, the, the, it had been wet all week beforehand, but race day, the reason it was faster is because it was like 61 degrees instead of 95. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like perfect difference. like temperature. Yeah. And so for the first five hours, it was fast, yeah. fast. So I could have swore you said to me yesterday that it was an hour slower. And I was thinking to myself, yep, muddy roads, water crossings, all of the things that, that go into you know making a course slower. So it was faster, but... It was faster, but there was a... There was a deluge of rain that came in yeah. at about the six hour mark and it lasted for about an hour sure so it you know they did get rain there were a couple roads that completely mudded out yep. which were kind of crazy yep they how badly they mudded out and the the video footage of that was fantastic huh. because guys walking guys carrying their bikes and they had a they had a motorcycle behind the women's leader who uh-huh. won um who was who was the women's leader? I don't want to screw this up. Uh, Sofia Gomez Villafano. Okay. So she she won by ten minutes. Uh-huh. So she oh. she like Jeez. obliterated the field. She just she was solo the whole day. Yeah. But um, they they were following her, and she like she like she's a mountain biker. She won Cape Epic this year with oh, her partner. Wow. So okay. she's like she's like super. Yeah. Good. But uh, there were shots of her falling over and crashing and getting up and like fixing her chain and then running for a bit and then jumping back on and riding. And she's riding past all these other people who are who are walking or like have their bike on their shoulder and walking through the grass. It just got really muddy in some sections and then it just opened back up. So that's why I think the temperature had the biggest to do with the fact that it was it was really quite fast. So right on. It was, it was, it was a great race. It was pretty solid. It was a lot of fun, but I guess. Well, in the spirit of time, we've got Let's roll. people that need to do things and go places and whatnot. I got 10 minutes. <laughs> no worries. Um, anything else? No. Champ. Champ out. We Outro. talked about the yeah. criterium. <laughs> Sweet. Sorry. I do Dauphiné. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right up front real quick. Wow one. All right. So I guess going in reverse order. Let's backpedal this thing. Back this just feels it. really unnatural. <laughs> what are we drinking today, guys? Oh, we already said that. Okay, backpedal there. Yeah, there you go. Um, Evan, you raced. Yes. Backpedal. And Jake was there too, which was a blast. Yep. As me and Jake are just basically partners at these triathlons the here clock. now. Go. Go. Okay. So we got race morning of the PDX triathlon, which me and Josh have branded PDX Worlds. Because as cyclists like do their weekly, this is our local race that anybody who races here triathlon locally loves this race. It's been around for, I don't know, a super long time. 41 years. 41? Is yeah. that, oh my God. I think like that and Hag Lake are like two of the older Olympic tri- sure. distance triathlons in the country. Yep. Yeah. So, awesome. I mean, we're talking the 41st anniversary. Uh, I won the race. I feel incredibly honored to be part of the history of this race because this is a very historical race in the region and me feeling like I'm slowly becoming a Pacific Northwesterner. I still cannot call myself a Pacific Northwesterner yet, but I feel like this is slowly part of that process. (laughs) So we got there. It was supposed to rain. I was kind of bummed that it was supposed to rain because we got a bunch of like juniors racing this too are going to be like their first kind of triathlon. Yep. 
but that isn't a duathlon, like actual triathlon. I'm like, man, they're, they, these poor kids have to practice every single Thursday. It rains nonstop, just every single Thursday. These poor kids have to practice. I'm like, can they just get a dry race? And they basically did get a dry yeah. race, except for what, like five minute period. There was, was a downpour. torrential downpour. For yeah, about five I was minutes, on the run yeah. at that point and literally was getting pelted to the point where I was like, oh my God, this hurts. Right. Like, I feel like I'm getting hit in the face. <laughs> when raindrops hurt, you know, you're yeah, getting, it, yeah, it was like five minutes and it was done. And then got very humid after that. But, um, Anyway, uh, you know, so why has put this race on for a while? I'm not sure how long they've been the sponsor of Blue Lake Triathlon, but this year, unlike last year, it is back at Blue Lake, which is where it usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were excited to kind of get back on that course. Uh, I wanted to go for the course record, but the bike had to get shortened because of, I think that they had to cut out a certain section because of permits. So the bike was only 21 miles, a little, a little over 21 miles. Instead of 26. Uh, 24. 24. 24. Yeah. 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 So, so it was, it was like two and a half miles short, basically on the bike. Um, same swim course, same run course. The swim was definitely slow. We were all talking after, I'm not sure if that was conditions or whatever, but, um, you know, there's, so we're, we're there race morning and we're getting ready in my head. I'm going to be racing Josh Monda and John Brentonson today. Uh, both in my opinion are the two best amateurs in the area. And I love, I've trained, I trained with them. Obviously you guys hear me talk about Josh all the time. So I was excited for that race. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not know that, uh, one little Andy Kruger was going to be there who beat me at PDX last year and I'm walking out of transition and there is Andy and I'm like, crap, Andy is now 22, young, 21 or 22, very young. And is really coming into his own as a professional triathlete now and is making me feel very old. So he just recently had great results at the LA Tri and St. A's, which are big time pro races. Mm -hmm. And he was like 12th at LA Tri. Wow. So he is legit right now. Mm -hmm. Very fast. I'm like, this kid is going to beat me. So I get there, um, know that, okay, now I got to shift gears and plan on racing Andy. It is PDX World. So, I mean, he's- It's PDX World. He needs to be there. And he's also the defending champ. So I was hoping he was going to be there. There you go. So- uh, we get out to the swim. There is a longer story with this that I will not say for the back pedal, but I just want to give a highlight to, we raced yesterday and that is fun, but there was a real couple heroes yesterday who saved a man's, I'll put it a simple saved a man's life right. with whoever was one of the last paddle boarders before the swim exit. Uh, the racer who's also a doctor, I'm not sure who he was, um, and a couple of the other paddle boarders and then Carissa and the Y team responded in such an amazing fashion to a cardiac issue that happened with somebody at the end of the swim. We do not know who he was. Hope he's okay. We know he's alive. He is, um, and he's in which stable is, condition. Yeah, and in yep. stable condition, which is uh, next to a miracle. It, it, it was amazing. To That last paddleboarder did something that is probably the most amazing thing I've seen at a race, period. Yeah. Like The fact that that person got to him in time before he drowned, got him on his paddleboard, got him to the shore and immediately started CPR, save that guy's life. Yep. So there were real heroes out there on Sunday on a much less important note. We also did a race. So, but that, that that's the really cool thing about the Y community was Carissa was able to shift gears from that situation to still holding the race, which I think was, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the amount of stress. It, 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 absolutely incredible. You could see it on the staff's face after that happened that oh, they were carrying a lot of stress God, yeah. and it took quite a bit of time before those nerves like, yeah. calmed. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and I mean, that was all of us even around the start at that point. Yeah. It was, you know, and it, we're all just like, oh, we, we, we got a race now. You what know? did we just see? Yeah. yeah. What did we just see? So we get out there. Um, the race start, there's PDX always brings out a lot of fast people. So 
I knew the swim was going to be fast from the start. Andy gets out there and just blows our doors off for the first 400, gets the buoy first. I'm in the group I want to be in, hit the first buoy, turn, and then I realize, wow, this group is too fast right now. I cannot hang. I need to be able to hang, could not, and just had to steady into my own swim. Um, Josh, who I know can swim faster, had to drop off me too because it's just the first 400 of that swim was really hard. And because we knew we were going to be chasing Andy. So we get out there, I get into my groove, get in. And I am basically the gap I thought I was going to be to Andy coming out of the water. I wish it was going to be less, but it was three minutes, which is a lot in an Olympic distance. Three minutes race. and 12 seconds. Three minutes and 12 seconds. Somehow <laughs> I move quicker through transition than him. I, oh, if Andy's listening, what happened in your transition? Because you should be faster than this old guy for sure. And he's a short course guy. He needs to be faster in transition. He usually is. So he, we were a three minute gap going on to the bike. Unfortunately, Andy had a bike mechanical, so we did not get to have the battle I was hoping for. What happened? Did he get a flat? I think he flatted. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he told me he flatted. Um, took him some time because, you know, when we're all in tubeless, once you really flat, it's like kind of a rough situation. Tubeless? That. Yeah, I, sure? think, I think he is. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, he ended up getting it fixed and getting out there, but he lost five, six minutes by that point. Your yeah. momentum's gone. So uh, I'm chasing John Brentonson, who is a great swim biker. And just like John predicted, I caught him right at the turnaround, like literally at the turnaround, mm -hmm. catch him. I had to push very hard into the wind going out and then we're sailing back. Um, I knew I had good bike legs all day. I was very lucky to sometimes you just have those days. I just didn't feel the pedals all day. So I thought that was going to translate to great run legs too. I'm like, wow, I just really feel great. Um, and my bike speed, if we had just taken the moving average and assuming we tack on two and a half miles there and it's out on the fast part of the course, I would have been in the low 55s for a 40K, which is fantastic. That's yeah. a dream speed for me. That was where I want to be. And now I want to work on getting under 55 going into next year. But um, jumped out onto the run. Felt good through the first like 5K, like I was moving, uh, flipped around and did not have a good last 5K. So I held what I wanted for the first 5K. And then I think it's, you know, I, I have to be in race mode that last second 5K and I just was not in race mode. So, you know, it was um, uh, a good race. I would have, if the course had been longer, but you know, we know what ifs, uh, I would have had the course record and would have been right around that 154, 155 range for an Olympic. Always next year. Always next year. Always next year. So I think job, you ended man. up winning by like, what, two and a half minutes ish? Three minutes, I think. Uh, 148.34 to 151.29. So three minutes. Yeah. Well done, dude. And that was, man, the coolest part of that race was John Brentonson and Josh Monda, who are good friends and we all train together, but they race each other hard. Like mm -hmm. they really race each other hard. Mm -hmm. And Josh brought in John with like a mile left. Mm hmm. So you would think Josh is moving fast on the run these days and also had a stellar bike. John had a, or Josh had a really stellar bike yeah. and John saved an extra gear and like clicked into another gear that last mile and dropped Josh. So poor Josh lost like by like 10 seconds to yeah, John, was the close. guy who he wants to be. It felt like talking to you forever at the finish line. Like, yeah. where is everybody else? Like Evan came out of the water and he was three and a half minutes behind the leader. And there was probably five, six, seven guys between him yeah. and the leader. Yeah. And then he just comes blowing in. And I'm expecting like there to be people close by. No, no, he's just like just up there chit chat. <laughs> Three and, minutes, and he's already like fully recovered. He's laughing. He's not breathing. And and finally, we're like, John oh, there's some people over there. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, and Evan's like, oh no, he got him. <laughs> I was so bummed for Josh yeah. at that point. He was so close, yeah, but, but not for nothing. Josh, he smoked dude, it too. He's flying on the bike. He, he was, was moving probably maybe a minute and a half behind you coming out of the water, yeah. and yeah. he closed all of 
that he like overtook quite a few people. Oh yeah, to put himself he in moved, third place. He moved himself into third coming yeah. off the bike. I think that I I only put a minute into Josh on the bike. Yeah, and for reference, I think last year at PDX I put two minutes into him. Wow. So he chopped our deficit by a half. And anybody who's ridden with Josh this last year knows. Josh is no joke right now. Yeah. Like this, I mean, this this guy can put out a ton of watts in a time yeah. trial right now. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But yeah, fun day. Well done. Yay. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Good job. Lance. Yes. Backpedal. Um, I got nothing to talk about. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is like the first. Um, I, uh, I, I started to feel like a bunch. I did not. Are you sure? I saw you all over Strava. Hey, Lance, were you at the, the gravel ride last week? Uh, yeah, but we talked about that last week. What'd you ride oh, last that's week? Right. Oh. We, already, we already talked so about he, it in our last podcast. He was there. Lance. I did the gravel ride. I did the lab ride, but we talked about that last week. And did you then show up to the flogging ride? I did not go to the flogging ride. Oh. I started to feel like crap again. again. I, yeah. I did. Whatever I had, which I'm pretty sure now was probably COVID, um, it is just not left my system. And not showing up on tests. But it did oh. not show. I did not test positive, but... All the other signs and symptoms were kind of there that that's probably what it was. But uh, yeah, these last four days, I just haven't felt very good. So The romance strain? Yeah. So I didn't, uh, I didn't ride a whole lot. Gotcha. I, rode, I rode this morning because I had to drop a car off. <laughs> right on. I rode it. last week. Yes, you did. I finally got in some decent hours. I got up to nine hours last week, and that sounds Solid. paltry and pathetic. It's like no, it does not trust me. Because I way used more to be mad at myself <laughs> if I didn't get ten. And I'm like, yeah. I'm excited about nine, but it's just I don't. Know. But it's a better progressive build back than just yeah. trying to spike up to ten out of nowhere and then so, trying. Yeah, we that. did the the gravel ride. We already talked about that on the podcast last week, which was good. We did the flogging ride. That's that, right, yeah. That well, yeah, was it, it was spicy. It was spicy. Yeah, yeah it always it, is. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably. The most lightheaded I've ever been on a bike after that finishing leg. Yeah. We had Paul and Lee. Um, Lee Farmer is a, one of the POA guys. POA guys. Got okay, into gotcha. a breakaway on 292nd. This means nothing to people who don't live by here, but uh, the yeah. Long Hawkinson Crawl. And they got a pretty big break. And then I had a couple other people that it, it all got strung out at that point in time. There was four people that stayed with us, and I got them to finally start um, rotating with me. And we've slowly but surely started breaking, bringing back in. But we got to a point where two of them, two of the guys that were rotating with us just got too tired. And yeah. so they ended up falling off. And one of the other POA guys, uh, Rich, said, hey, Rich, come with me. Let's go. And like he and I worked together. And we reeled him in at the very last, like there's this like tight dog leg right turn yeah. where we get into this last sprint, which is about 100 meters-ish. And we caught them right on the turn. And I basically pulled Rich up and he came around me. Yeah. And Lee just fell off. He didn't even like really partake in the sprint. And Rich came around and Paul being in there gets up and starts to sprint with Rich. And I'm like, I'm not going to let him go. So I got up out of the saddle too. And I jumped right onto Rich's wheel and came <laughs> yeah. around him and got both of them nice. after doing a ton of work. And I get up to the regroup spot and no joke. I was like sucking wind in. I was like, so like lightheaded and I was over the bars. I was like moaning. Like, oh, <laughs> I thought I was going to die. about the comeback. You still have the top end. You just have way less as matches now. Is that <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure I was going to die on the, the ride back home, but I did all right. So, uh, slow but sure it's coming back. Nice. Out there. And That's then, awesome to hear. Um, Sunday, yesterday, because mm-hmm. we're recording this on Monday this week, we did our uh, four-year, fourth, right? fourth anniversary ride of uh, getting hit by the car. So I was happy to see Sean out on a bike. That was good. That was really nice. That was really cool. To see I haven't sure ridden. I think I've ridden with Sean. So we did that whole like ride for every day for 365 days, and like an idiot, I didn't stop until 501 days. But Sean was doing that with me. 
I've ridden with him. I rode him on with him on the 365th day, and then when he rode with us on the Michael Myers Memorial ride, and those are the only two rides that I've done with Sean. Yeah. In in the last you know almost year now, so yeah. it's kind of kind of crazy, but it was nice to have him back out there. And he's uh, they plan on getting back on the road a little bit. In this talking summer. with him yesterday, he did make a, me- uh, a mention that the, that ride that we were doing in the moment. He's like, this has kind of got me excited about riding again. So yeah. hopefully he yeah. gets back into it. Has Nell's been out riding much? Uh, no, he's been super busy with all of his senior activities. He's gotcha. getting ready to graduate here in the next like what, two weeks or so, and trying right. to pick a school to Coming go to soon. UW. Yeah, oh, he did pick he's UW. Going to okay. UW. Um, yeah, he's going to be living in a dorm up there at University These of Washington. These kids put so much effort into college decisions now, yeah. which I completely get. But I, I look back on the way I made a college decision. I'm like, wow, that was a. <laughs> That was a crapshoot. This place looks cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, they accepted me. I was like, where do I get to pay the less? <laughs> the least I give me. But I'm um, just looking forward to a nice full week of riding, and I'm looking at the, the forecast, and it doesn't look too bad. Friday and Saturday don't look all that great, but I think with the temperature being what is going to be, warm rain is nice. fine. Yeah. yeah, go ride the gravel bike or something. So kind of excited about that. Cool. All right. Really fast, one last thing. Lance, go. Uh, it is my youngest daughter's birthday today, Darby Hepler. She turned 22 years old. Happy birthday, Darby. Happy birthday, Darby. She is celebrating in New York City with her sister, New Kelty. New York City. Kelty and Darby uh, took a trip uh, on their own to New York City to hang out. They Sweet. were on the Today Show this morning. In the Seriously. background, holding signs up? Oh, in the background. They actually came by and like took a shot of them saying something. So. Oh, really? That's actually really cool. cool. That's very cool. That's like a good like New York City thing it to is. do. Yeah. yeah that TV show in like 30 yeah. years, but that's cool. They're, they're I actually saw it last week randomly. I don't yeah. know. I, I was TV like on our cable yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, one last thing. Um, th- uh, tonight, um, uh, race in PIR and hopefully the NASCAR car oil is off the track. There was a NASCAR race there this weekend. Yeah. So, so we will we'll see how that affects PIR. But Did you guys catch yeah. any of that race? No, I didn't. Oh, the NASCAR race? Yeah. No. I mean, are these like legit drivers who yes. were out there? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like the, yeah, the like, actual NASCAR yeah. people? Like yeah. the big people, like names that you would know? Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, really? wow. Yeah. I had no idea that came to Portland. This is, that- a, this is the first year NASCAR came. There's been an oh. IndyCar race here the last few years. Gotcha. Uh, is that a good track for NASCAR, though? It doesn't feel like it's big enough. It doesn't enough. feel like a NASCAR track. Wherever they can do... I mean, it's not a super speedway. It's, uh, you know, it's like an technical. IndyCar race. That's technical. So, yeah. yeah. It's... 1.9 miles. Is it wide enough? I don't know. It just feels small because so. I ride it bicycles on it. It does feel so. very small. Yeah. I think it's a normal racetrack. We're just not used to it. <laughs> do they go faster than 30 miles an yes, hour? Yes, they do. Man. Cool. <laughs> That's does this mean all of our KOMs are taken? <laughs> if they had Strava running, yes, it does. <laughs> I cannot wait to check that tonight and see if there's some guy who does a 120 mile an hour lap Those on that. don't care about Strava I'm at all. Flag that one. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. All right. Uh, my one last thing is we're going to try and do the, the fog out ride again this Friday, guys. We're going to try. It's been rain. We, we did it this past okay. week. And the only reason why we still did it was because it was World Bicycle Day. But we still only had like six or seven people show up. So, yeah. but um, if you're going to come out um, to the local uh, fog hat ride, it's a slow ride. We're going to take it easy. And it's a very slow ride that's going to be meant to be social and no. Uh, no efforts taken, and we're going to start encouraging people to bring cool bikes, just anything random, and then there will be themes that are going to come along can with I that. Can I ride my big wheel? You sure can. All right. Yep. 
<laughs> so uh, if you want to, if you're local and you want to come out and ride that, just go check out the Dialed Cycling um, Club on Strava. We will put all the details and there will be a competition this week. So come on out. Cool. Good. All right. We do appreciate everybody listening. We will be back next week with another podcast. Until then, oh, time out. Hold on a second. Hold the rope. What? I said that we were going to do a Patreon drawing. Lance, go get the draw, the drawing thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to slowly start leaving now, but I will, I will this pull will, this will, this will here. Thing. I'm going to put the clock back on the thing here. Dude, I'm so sorry. Patreons, thank you so much. Evan's going to pull one out of the, the thing here. And tick tock, tick tock. It is Chris Surratt. Chris Surratt. Hasn't he won, won a bunch of these before? Well, everybody's won because they've yeah. been in there for a long time. And That's they've true. been, yeah, yeah. I mean, we cycle through everybody. So, Chris Surratt, you are the proud winner of something in the you know, little box thing that we've got stuff over <laughs> Anything here. from Jake's house. So, Excellent. <laughs> congratulations, sir. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to dialpodcast.com and click the link there and find a patron that works best for you. Um, and we have a new patron, Mark Radford. Hey, Mark. Oh, Rack- very cool. Yeah, thanks for being a patron. Thank dude. you, Mark. Awesome, Mark. Yeah, cool beans. All right, we will see you next week. And until then, bye for now. Uh-huh.